Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. And two weeks ago, my friend Jeff Verdorn started a new series called In the Beginning. And it started to uh, get a lot of people very interested. It, we're going to do a little review of what we did last week, but then we're going to charge ahead. And I am so glad that he's back. Uh, these last two weeks, I've had to pace up and down my hallway thinking, when is Jeff going to be on again? So here it is. Awfully glad Jeff is a Bible teacher and a friend and mentor of mine, and I always uh, like having him on the program. Jeff, welcome. Hi, Bill. Good afternoon. Thanks. So let's uh, maybe do some review before we uh, go ahead with uh, this week. Maybe just review what we talked about last time. Perfect. So last time we started part one of this In the Beginnings uh, kind of session or teaching, and we looked at really this question, and it's really three different questions. Um, you know, I, I love to teach on the end times. I love to teach on the beginnings. These are actually two of the most controversial, you know, many different interpretations, lots of different ideas. You search the web, you find all kinds of ideas about the beginning and the end. Uh, two very difficult parts of Scripture to kind of get agreement on with the body. And and so on the beginning, it's really centered around, I guess, three core questions. There's actually several questions, but three core questions I want to look at during this study. And the first one is, well, how old is the universe? How old is the earth? So we kind of have on one camp, we have science and many Christians who believe the universe is old. And on the other camp, we have many Christians, uh, which generally goes under the, the moniker of young earth creationism. That says everything in the universe was created about 6,000 years ago. Um, One of the things that I mentioned last time was that regardless of your belief, the universe does look old. It has the appearance of being very old. So um, also, I I should mention this right up front. You know, Christians can agree on the fundamentals of the Christian faith— you know, who is God, who is Jesus Christ, what he came to do, how are we saved, um, you know, what is eternal life, those kinds of things. And we can disagree on some of these other things. Uh, I want to present over the next several weeks a picture uh, of a narrative of creation that I think Scripture describes, but I understand that there are many different opinions out there. And so there are many people who believe the universe, as the as they understand the Bible, is 6,000 years old. So that's question one. Mm -hmm. Question two is life. It's the question of life. Where did life come from and how old is this life? Science says that about three years, a billion years ago, life began on earth and evolution has led to the, uh, the complexity and the diversity of life that we see today. And yet, Scientific evolutionism has never answered the simple question of where did that life first begin? Where did it start? How did we get here? Uh, they seem they claim to have an explanation of how life, once it began, began you know changed over time through small mutations of evolutionary processes, and so we get complex life. 
In contrast, so the alternative view is, in contrast, the Bible declares that God made everything. He made the plants. He made the animals after their kind. He made man in his own image from the dust of the ground. That's what we call special creation. God made it. You know, the, the old adage, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, we actually know the answer to that from the Bible, and that is the chicken. God made the chicken. God made the animals. God made man. Uh, when did this happen? Well, the Bible indicates that if you look at all the time frames of the Bible and you go back, it seems that about 6,000 years ago uh, in a garden, now some say 10,000, six, so six to 10,000 years ago, but if you take a literal view of the genealogies that are described in Genesis, you can go back and you can do this. I've done these calculations and you go back to about 6,000 years ago was when Adam was formed in the Garden of Eden. Uh, the third main question is, we've got this question of days in Scripture. And we're actually going to look at this more in detail today, but this Hebrew word yom for days, it can mean an age and it can mean a day, as in a 24-hour day. Uh, context will always drive the meaning of this word, so we're going to look at that today. I like it. We all, Good. We also agreed on this core biblical truth that whatever your view, young, old, it is God who made everything. Uh, Psalm 33 says, it's by the word of the Lord where the heavens were made, the starry hosts, by the breath of his mouth. Um, Psalm 102 says that in the beginning, it's God that laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of his hands. And Isaiah 44 says that this is what the Lord says. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone has stretched out the heavens who spread out the earth by myself. So let's declare right up front, as we did last time, that it is God that made everything, uh, both in the material universe and also uh, in terms of life, by the way, as that we'll get to next week or next time. Okay. We also saw that creation is the one, is creation um, declares God's glory. Romans 1 says it this way, that that all of creation declares his glory so that man is without excuse. How I view that passage is that mankind should be able to open their eyes and see the, the creation around them and know in, intuitively, inherently, that there was a creator. And I compare this to like if you look at a painting, you know that someone painted that painting. In the same way we look at the design of creation, and we should know that there was a creator so that man is without excuse. So as we turn to the language of Genesis and to the words of Genesis in verses 1, 1, and 1, 2, which we just started to look at last time, but we'll look at more detail here. Um, one of the issues is that how do we approach the language of Genesis. Some will say that you have to take a, a quote-unquote literal view of Scripture, uh, of Genesis. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm very literalistic in my understanding of, of the Word of God, but it says in the Bible, for example, that he sets the earth on a foundation, and the earth is fixed and never be, will be moved, First Chronicles 16. If we were to take a literal view of Scripture, we would conclude that the earth is fixed, it's based on a foundation, and it never moves, and everything around in the universe goes around the earth, which is exactly how man thought for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
And then we came, came along Galileo with his telescope and he said, hey, wait, wait a minute here. I think we are moving around the sun. And for the next couple hundred years, this was debated. It was the kind of the fixed earthers versus mm -hmm. the moving earthers. And that if you lived back in the 1500s, that would have been the, the theological debate of the day. Mm -hmm. Well, we know who won out. It was the moving earthers won out. So guys like Kepler came along and gave us orbital dynamics and all the formulas that we now know that the Earth's foundation is basically a fixed orbit around our sun and that it's uh, the Earth isn't fixed and on a foundation physically, uh, but figuratively. So we can still view the Bible and Genesis specifically as being accurate and historical, but understand that in any kind of historical writing, you can have literal language and you can have figurative language. So, um, so we just, I wanted to make that note again as we approach the text of Genesis. I appreciate um, that. That's quite helpful. Good. So the, one of the, and then one last thing before we get going here, we need to understand that how the world viewed. So once we figured out that we were moving around the sun, science basically looked at the universe and said uh, what, what is called their, their understanding of what was called the steady state. They looked at the universe and they said, uh, science said that the universe has always existed. Matter, space, time, and matter had always existed. There was no beginning of the universe. So from a scientific view for many, many years, the Bible was wrong from the very first sentence because the, the Bible declared that in the beginning God created. There was a beginning. But science said, no, there wasn't any beginning. The universe always existed. The universe was eternal. And if you had an eternal universe, you didn't need an eternal God to create the universe. It had no beginning. But then Edward Hubble came along, and we mentioned this last time, and he looked in his telescope and he said, wait a second here. All these galaxies are expanding outward. If that's true, if we back up the clock, we, we can see that everything came from a single point, from, the same, from a singular point. There was a beginning. Einstein confirmed what Hubble found. Guys like Stephen Hawking confirmed what Hubble found. And literally every branch of science uh, since has confirmed this idea that there was a beginning. Uh, th this was huge. This was huge because it proved the, the first verse of the Bible true. There was a beginning. But, but now, years later, it, we have an interesting dynamic. Science is busy trying to undo this idea of a beginning because they, they can model this, the Big Bang and this beginning of space, time, and matter from the very beginning of it. But what they can't tell us is what existed one second before the Big Bang. They have no answer for that mm, question. Interesting. So they've been busy trying to come up with ideas on how they can get rid of, if you will, the beginning. So we've got oh, different theories. I mentioned a few of them last time. I won't go into it this time. But at the same time, many in Christianity have thrown this out this idea of a Big Bang beginning as being somehow unbiblical 
or, or secular or atheistic or something. And so, so Christianity in some ways is throwing it out. And it's too bad because in, in my opinion, this idea of a beginning, however many billions of years ago it happened, I don't care. Science says about 14 billion years ago that, that everything came into being. And when I look at scripture, that beginning is exactly what the Bible describes. So are we ready to go to Genesis 1-1? Yeah, after the break. Nice okay. time, nice timing, Jeff. You're like a radio pro. <laughs> this is perfect. There you go. Yeah, Jeff Redorn is my guest. We're continuing our study in the beginning. We'll be right back with Genesis 1 in just a minute. My guest, we're talking about in the beginning. This is part two of our series. I think it'll be four or five parts, but I cannot wait to jump into Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. So 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, we got to stop for a second because I don't want to get too much in the weeds of the Hebrew and the Hebrew language, but we really need to understand these two Hebrew words that are used here for created in heaven. So first is created. The Hebrew word that's used here in Genesis 1-1 is the Hebrew word bara, B-A-R-A. And this word in Hebrew comes in, can, can appear in two different forms. One of the forms means to, to be created, to be birthed of something new. Uh, in the Latin, uh, Latin theologians called this ex nihilo or nihilio. And this means out of nothing. Uh, that means that what is made with this concept came from nothing. It was, there was nothing and then there was something. The other form of bara is to, to shape or form or fashion. It means that you, you created something out of something. So let me give you an example. The first form of bra is poof, I made some clay. One minute there's nothing there, the next minute, boom, there's some clay. The other form of bra is I formed something or fashioned something from the clay. So I made a pot from the clay. So those two different forms of the word are very important because in this first verse of Genesis, that first form that I mentioned, that ex nihilo form, out of nothing form, is only in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created out of nothing everything. That's what that verse says. Everywhere else in Genesis, the word bara is used in the other form, meaning it was formed or fashioned. So we see that God made man or bara, man, from the dust of the ground. He took something that he already made and he formed it or fashioned it 
into something else, a man, okay? So in the beginning, God created out of nothing. So only here in Genesis 1-1. And isn't that precisely what happened with the Big Bang? There was nothing, nothing, boom, there was everything. That's wow. Genesis 1-1, okay. Yeah, like it. Okay, so what did he make? The heavens and the earth. So this is the other Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for heavens is shemayim, shemayim. And you need to understand that biblically there are, there are three different heavens described in Scripture. All right, what do I mean? Well, in Scripture, there is a, the Shemayim, the heavens, of the sky, the atmosphere. We're actually going to see this because on day two, God makes the sky. And Scripture says he sets the birds or made the birds in the heavens, right? So the first heaven is the sky, the atmosphere. The second heaven is, the, is space. It's the, it's the created universe. And so God says that he sets the stars in the heavens. Well, that, that means the entire universe, so that's the second heaven. The third heaven is actually described as the dwelling place of God. So Paul says, I know a man who was caught up to the third heaven, the paradise of God. He was caught up to God's throne. So Scripture has the first heaven, sky, the second heaven, the universe, and the third heaven, the throne of God. So when we get to the verse, or back to the verse, verse 1, in the beginning God created out of nothing, making everything, created the heavens and the earth. Which heaven is God talking about? Well, I think it's the second heaven. It's the created universe. It can't be the first heaven because the first heaven isn't going to be created until day two. And it's not the third heaven, because that's where God is. He already exists. He's already in heaven. So this must be heaven. Now, it's interesting. If you look at several English versions of the Bible, this word shemayim is actually translated as heaven, singular, not plural. And so let's read it again with what we just talked about. In the beginning, God created out of nothing, everything, the heaven the universe, and everything that is in it, space, time, and matter, and the earth, which is just one of the hunk of rocks in all of the created universe. So I think that's what Genesis 1-1 is saying. Now, verse 2. Now, the earth, okay, let's, <laughs> let's stop again. Hmm. This might take a while here. Now, the earth. What do we have? We have an earth. The earth is already there. The earth exists. Before God says, let there be, let there be anything, on any of the days of creation, quote-unquote creation, the earth is already present. That means the earth, that space, time, and matter, already all exist. The earth is already there. Now, what is the state of this earth? Well, the state of the earth is clear. It says it was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of, surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we have a hunk of rock. It's formless. It's void. It's empty. 
and there's darkness that covers covers where now the surface of the earth hmm. so it's the surface of the earth that's dark there's actually nowhere that scripture says that there was no light or no sun or no anything else all, all the universe created which i think is already all there when we get to genesis 2 because we see the earth and if the earth exists the earth doesn't exist just by itself hanging out there in space someplace the earth exists in orbit around a sun in our milky way galaxy which is one galaxy of a supercluster of galaxies which is part of our entire universe so i read genesis and i see that the universe created in verse 1 say 14 billion years ago like science says verse 2 we have the earth and science says the earth was formed about four or four and a half billion years ago fine doesn't matter to me what matters to me is that God is telling us the earth is already there. It's just formless. It's void. There's no life on this earth. There's nothing living. There doesn't appear to be any light reaching the surface of the earth because there's darkness over the surface of the earth. If you were to say, look at Venus right now, you know, there are, I, I can't remember the exact statistics, but about 90% of the light is blocked from reaching the surface of Venus. There's some kind of canopy or cloud or whatever that the atmosphere blocks the light from reaching to the surface of Venus. That's what I think the Earth was like. There was some kind of cloud, some kind of canopy that prevented light from reaching the surface of the Earth. And so God tells us in verse 2 that the, the surface of the Earth was dark because no light was reaching it. Well, what does he do then? He says, verse 3, and God says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So he says, let there be light. Notice he's not creating light out of nothing. He's just saying, let there be light. I would argue he's letting light reach the surface of the earth. He then separates the light from the darkness. He calls the darkness night and the light day. What is day and night? If we, if we ask the world, what is day and night? Everybody on this on this earth would be able to tell us. Well, it's, it's how the, I work, Jeff, day and night. <laughs> you work for two hours a day, Bill. <laughs> oh, okay. No, 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 no. I know you spend a lot more time in prep than that. Yeah, that's a great question. How would you define day and night? I think we'll wait to answer that at the other side of the break. You good with that? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Don't forget. Don't forget your answer because that would be very awkward for me if you don't have your answer I, when I come back. All right. I got it written yeah. down right oh, in front good. of me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Redorn is my guest. We're continuing our series in the beginning. As you can probably tell, we're in Genesis chapter 1. This is probably going to be five parts. Can't wait for the whole thing, but I'm going to be patient and then come back after the break and we'll continue in Genesis chapter 1. Jeff Redorn, of course, is a, a Bible teacher, a friend, mentor of mine. We'll be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. 
Thank you for being with me today. Uh, we are in our study with Jeff Verdorn in the beginning, and we're in uh, Genesis chapter 1. We haven't gotten very far, which is okay. We're going through this slowly and carefully. So, uh, Jeff, thank you for uh, for your work on this. It's been so far fascinating. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm ri- Rosie and I are sitting here kind of riveted. So mm. let's... Uh, Let's answer that question, the difference between night and day. What's the, what's the right answer? Yeah, so we're in verse 5, about in day 1 of Genesis chapter 1, and it says that God called the light day and the darkness night. So what is day and night? How did he separate the light from the darkness? Well, he tells us there was evening and morning. There was day, there was night. What is a day and what is a night? Well, this seems pretty clear that we all know the answer to this. A day and a night is the earth revolving. The sun shines on half of the earth, and then we revolve, and nighttime comes, and then there's darkness on on that half of the earth. And then we do it again, and there's day, and then there's night. So this revolving of the earth in relationship to the sun is what makes a day and a night and an evening and a morning. Now, if we took a quote-unquote literal view or a young earth creation view, the sun's not going to be there until day four. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. But I believe the sun is already there. The, the Our solar system is already there. Our Milky Way is already, everything's already there. And all that is happening is light is now reaching the surface of the earth. He calls the day, the light day and the darkness night. That's a day. We all know this. It's the, rep, it's the revolving of the earth on its axis in relationship to the sun. So, so Jeff, to go back in verse 1, it talks about darkness was over the surface of the deep. So that's, is that where you're making a distinction? Yeah, so the, it's the surface. It's, so some want to say that light is made on this first day, that there wasn't any light. Interestingly... If you're, if young earth creationism basically says that because there's no sun yet, it's not made until day four, this light can't actually be the light from the sun yet or mm. any star for that matter okay. because they they don't exist until day four. So how does a young earth creationist answer this question of, well, what is the light then if it's not coming from the sun? And they generally answer it this way, that this is God's light and God's light now is somehow illuminating the earth. Well, well, wait a minute here. I thought that we were insisting on a literal understanding or interpretation of scripture. And, and now all of a sudden we're, we're getting, you know, figurative with our understanding of what this light is. Now, I, I suppose God is literally light and all that, but um, I see that. But I think this light is the sunlight that before day one never reached the surface because the surface was in darkness. Um, and now for the first time, light is whatever God did on day one, stripping back whatever canopy or whatever that was mm-hmm. blocking the earth. Light is now reaching the surface of the earth as it revolves, creating for the very first time night and day, morning and evening. So that's what I think happened on day one. All right. right. Day two. Well, you know what? Let's Let's answer this question first, because the other part of this is day. And so one of our core questions 
that we talked about at the beginning was, okay, there, there are a number of different understandings of what the word day means. Well, we all know what a day is. It's, it's one day. It's 24 hours. Actually, it's 24.000038 hours or something. And, and in reality, it actually varies day to day because it's, it's not a fixed rate. Uh, well, it's 86,000 seconds. It's 0.0027 years. It's 0.07 of a fortnight. I don't even know what a, what is a fortnight? I have no I idea. You're losing me fast, just so yeah. you know. <laughs> so that is a day, right? Okay. 24 hours. But in the Hebrew, this word yam is what is translated as day. Now, here's the issue. This word yam can mean an age, like, um, like in the days of Noah, in the age of Noah. But it also can mean a, mean a day, literally a literally 24-hour day. So which, which one of these definitions fits here? Well, this word yom is used over 1,900 times in the Old Testament. Do you know that its meaning, which one of these it means, is only debated in one place, and that's Genesis chapter 1. Some believe these days are long periods of time, millions or billions of years, and that's how God created the, the universe and created the earth and the garden. Others say, no, 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 these are six literal days or seven literal days if you count the day of rest that God made the universe. Well, that's because this word can mean one or the other. Well, context is going to drive how this word yam is interpreted. And if we look at each one of the first six days of creation, they each end with this phrase. There was evening there was morning the first day. There was evening, the morning, the second day, evening and morning, the third day, and so on, all the way through. So I think the clear context of Genesis is that this word yom should be translated as day, as in a 24-hour day. That is what the context demands, evening and morning, evening and morning. In addition we're going to look at a passage from Genesis 20, the Sabbath and this pattern of the Sabbath, that six days you shall work and then you rest on the seventh day. Um, that pattern, I think, is directly from the creation pattern of six days of work and then God rested on the seventh day. So I think the context uh, of Genesis and when you look at other passages that refer to this pattern of creation, I think these days are six literal days. Um, and so I think we translate Yom as day. Jeff, right. how, many, how many times does Yom appear? Well, each of the days in Genesis 1, Yom appears, so six times. I, I know that, but what about in all of Scripture? Oh, 19, uh, something like 1,900 times. Wow, and it's only in this passage are we debating it. Correct. If okay. you look at every other... Uh, you know, place where Yom is used in the Old Testament, nobody debates the meaning. It's clear from the context. And I think here, too, it is clear from the context that we're talking about six 24-hour days. Hmm. Okay. So that is day one. Light appears for the first time on the surface of the earth from the sun. It's revolving. And as it revolves, we have morning, and we have evening or evening and morning, and we have a day. And there's your first day, the first day ever on the 
on the surface of the earth, on the face of the earth. Okay, day two. Verse six, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the waters from the waters. So God made, uh, this is one of the other Hebrew words for made, that means he forms it, he fashions it. This is not uh, ex nihilo or out of nothing. He forms the water into what? The vault and separates the water from under the vault from the water above the vault. And so it was so. He called the vault sky, or some translations say heaven. Oh, here's this word heaven again, this word shemaya, this Hebrew word for heaven. And in verse 8, it's called the sky or heaven, depending on your translation. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Once again, I think a literal second day. So what does he make here? Whatever water was on the earth, it appears that he takes this water and, and it's now separated from the waters above, and he calls that the sky or the atmosphere or the heaven. And what is our atmosphere made up of? Well, water vapor is a big part of what our atmosphere is made of. So we have rain and snow and so on, clouds. This is all water vapor. So that is, that is the water that is above, the heaven, the first heaven, as we talked about earlier. He makes it. That's our atmosphere. Before this time, the earth did not have an atmosphere, but suddenly, whatever God does on day two, he separates the waters from above from the waters below, and he creates the atmosphere and he calls it heaven or sky or the vault of the sky, the first heaven. Now, remember, I mentioned Exodus 20. And let's see how much time we have four minutes before the break. Yeah, roughly. Exodus 20 gives us this pattern of the Sabbath. And so I'm going to leave Genesis for a second and go to this passage. It's really the Ten Commandments. And God says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. For in six days, six days you shall labor and do no work. But on the seventh day uh, is the Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not do any work. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, plural with an S. He made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, young earth creationists use this verse Often, it's, it's, it's probably the most popular verse used to try, if you believe in a young earth creationism, that everything, the whole universe was created in these six days, because it says that in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Well, at first blush, that actually, it does appear to be kind of proof positive that everything came into existence in those six days. But remember... This word for heavens, the Shemayim, which heaven did God make in the six days? We just read it. On day two, God made the heaven. He made the atmosphere. He made the sky. That is the heaven that God made in the six days. So let me reread Exodus 20. For in six days, God made the sky, the atmosphere, the Shemayim, the first Shemayim, the atmosphere, and the earth, 
and the sea and all that was in them. Well, we're going to see in a minute that he's going to fill the sky and he's going to fill the sea and he's going to fill the earth with life. This is an overview of the six days of creation where God makes the first heaven, the sky, not the second heaven, not the universe that was already created in Genesis 1.1. Do you see that? I do. I do see that. My brain's about ready to explode, but I do see it. (laughs) So in six days, God makes the atmosphere. That's precisely what he just made on day two that we just read. It's not that he made all of the created heavens, the universe. It's that he made the heaven of the sky the atmosphere, the first heaven. Mm -hmm. So without an understanding of the first heaven being the sky, the second heaven being all of the created universe, and of course the third heaven being the throne of God, we see it in the plural here in Exodus 20, heavens and plural. And really, I believe it should be a singular heaven, for in six days God made the heaven of the sky and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. That is what he made on day two. Cool. That's very cool. Jeff Dorn's my guest. We're continuing our study called In the Beginning. And if you missed any of this, you definitely will need to go to the beginning of the podcast. You can find that at myfaithradio.com. And while you're there, listen to a bunch of other of my podcasts. I'd just love for you to uh, make that available. If you hear something you love, you can send it to a friend and go, you're not going to believe what I heard this guy named Jeff Dorn talk about today. And you can email the link to a friend, text it over, and then they can click on it and they can listen and they can say, yeah, that's interesting. We need to have a conversation about it. This is how we do life together. It's really take advantage of all the great resources uh, on the website at myfaithradio.com. And we'll just take a short break. We'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll continue in the beginning with Jeff Dorn. Jeff Dorn, we're continuing our study called In the Beginning. And if you're like me, and I know I am, you're loving it. So, Jeff, let's pick up. So we're on day three. Day three. Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And he called the ground land. And then let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees and so forth. There was evening and there was morning the third day. So now on the surface of the earth, that water is gathered and a a continent appears. I actually believe it was a singular continent. I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you you look at the the continents, they all fit together like a puzzle. And geologist says that millions of years ago, these were all together. I actually think they were all together more recently to that. And I think they were potentially ripped apart at the great flood of Noah. We'll get to that in in a couple lessons from now. But Uh, So the point here is on day three. Now we have dry ground and we have vegetation. All right. Day four. This is the one that's kind of, okay, we got to look at a little closer. 
He says, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. And let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made, now this is the Hebrew word asa, one of the words for made. And this does not mean ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. This means he formed it, he fashioned it, he accomplished it. So he accomplished or fashioned two great lights. Now remember, I think they're already there. So we're, we're going with that assumption into the text here. So let's read it. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. He set them there in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness, which has already happened. We've already had three other days where the light has been separated from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So if my understanding is correct and it's all there already, how do we approach this day four? Hmm. Now, let me give you an example or metaphor. This Now, this is the, hopefully this is good. This is the best one I've come up for. If I was to invite you over to a banquet and you show up and the table is already all set, I would be saying to you, look what I've done, Bill. I've made this banquet hall for you. I've set the table. I've put the plates on the table. I put the glasses there. I put the silverware there. This has been all made for you so that you can eat a great feast, use the plates for food and the cups for drink. I think that's exactly the kind of thing that God is telling us here on day four. That he's saying, look at what I've done. I've set these things in the sky. Why? To mark off seasons and years so you can tell time. You know, we tell time by the planets, basically. How long the earth goes around the sun is a year. How long it revolves is a day. These are the, this is how we tell time. And also, it's our light. I've set this here to be a light for you, a big light for the day and a lesser light, the moon, for the nighttime and all the stars. There's nothing in these uh, uh, 14 to 19 here on day four that indicates that God suddenly created out of nothing all the, the stars and the sun and the moon. That language is actually not there unless you assume that's what's happening. But as I mentioned before, the only place where God creates out of nothing is in 1-1, Genesis 1-1. So here he's just saying, look what I've set in the sky for you. That's how I think we approach day four. That's very and remember, interesting. Yeah, and yeah. remember, we've already had evening and morning on three previous days. So if the sun isn't there, I, 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 how do you get an evening and a morning for three days before the sun somehow, you know, appears in, on day four? It, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. All right, now the plot thickens. Yeah. All right. Day five. So that's day four. Day five, uh, really quick, because uh, we're running out of time, and I want to wrap this up with kind of an overview timeline. So he says, let there be living creatures... Uh, let the birds fly in the sky above. And he said, let also there be creatures in the seas, all according to their kinds. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit more next time. Animals are created according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and morning the fifth day. And the sixth day, he said, let the God says, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. 
and livestock and creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, and each according to their kind. So now we have animals that have filled the, the sky and the seas and the earth. So the animals are all there. Now, um, finally, he says this in verse 26 of Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So let us, uh, we could talk about that for a while, but look at God uses the plural to define himself as God. And I think only with a uh, understanding of the Trinity, does that make any sense? Mm. Let us make, again, this is not ex nihilo, out of nothing. This is to form or fashion. And what does he make man out of? The dust of the ground. Do you know you're made from the basically the same elements that the earth and the sun and the stars are made of? You're made of the same stuff because God made us from the dust of the ground. In our likeness, Every single person that's ever walked the face of the earth is made in the image of God. That's what separates us from the animals. Notice that mankind is not made after their kind, but in the image of God. And as I'll talk about next time, in body, soul, and spirit, in relationship with their creator, God. 31, God saw that all he had made was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So it says, then he says to man, be fruitful and multiply, rule over the, all of this creation. I've given you all these plants for food. Yes, Adam and Eve were vegetarians before the fall. <laughs> they, that's, what they, that's what God gave them. Actually, all the animals were vegetarians as well. We'll talk about the garden a little bit next time as well. And then, of course, on the seventh day, God rested. And I have to answer this question. Did God get tired? Why did he need to rest? And it's like, no, he didn't get tired. He's all powerful. God never gets tired. Uh, the Hebrew word here for rest is actually Shabbat, which is where we get the word Sabbath. And it just simply means to cease, to end. God completed his work. So he stopped. And uh, so we have the Sabbath day on the seventh day. So so, okay, so let's put all this together in the last couple minutes here. Here's the timeline that I see from Genesis. There is, before creation, God exists from eternity past as Father, Son, and Spirit. He is there. He's always existed. Now, it's funny because I've been asked, well, what did God do for all those billions and billions of years? Well, that's actually a, 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 the premise of that question is actually, is actually not correct because there wasn't billions of years. There was no time yet. God is about to create space, time, and matter. In the beginning, God created. So actually, there is no time. He just is. I am who I am. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Before time, it was just God. Now, I can't fathom what that's like. We we live in time, so we can't even fathom what it would be like to be outside of time, but that's precisely what God is. He's outside of time. He was before time. At some point in time, six, 14 billion years ago, science tells us, God spoke and everything came into existence. The universe was formed at God's command, Hebrews 11 says, by the breath of his mouth, Psalm 33. 
and the heavens were stretched out, Psalm 105. What does that sound like? That sounds like the Big Bang. And for a few billions of years, space, time, and matter have been expanding from this singular point until about four and a half billion years ago in our Milky Way, our sun is formed, our earth is formed, and, and this matter collects and, and nine planets start circulating, circula- circulating our sun. And the third hunk of rock for our, from our sun is the earth, and that forms. Science says about four and a half billion years ago, fine. But that earth is formless and void, and darkness covers the surface, and there's no life anywhere on earth. And then about 6,000 years, according to the biblical timeline, God takes this third rock from our sun, and he says, watch this. Mm. What a cliffhanger. And in in six days, let me just finish this one sentence, if I have time. In six days, he creates a garden and puts man in the middle of that garden as the pinnacle of all his creation. Well, we'll pick up there next time. Jeff, thank you so much. It's been fascinating. Mm. So enjoy it. Good. Yeah. We'll see you next time. You bet. Jeff Redorn's been my guest. That wraps up our show. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great night as you lay your head on the pillow. Know that God's working out his great plan in your life. He loves you. Me too. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.